Hello and welcome to the Told You So podcast. I'm Brink. And I'm Carla. And today we're going to be talking about the coronavirus. I feel like it's time for a dun, dun, dun. Or well, I guess COVID-19 would be the more accurate uh, description. Yeah, or you know, the OK Boomer virus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I say that because I just, I heard an interview with... um. Yair Bolsonaro, I guess there's some like he tested positive and then tested negative today and his son was being interviewed on Fox News and he his son was like, yeah, he never tested positive. I don't know what people are talking about. And then the reporter was like, well, what about COVID-19 and blah, blah. And and, yeah, Bolsonaro's son went. Well, here we call it the coronavirus. <laughs> and the, oh. and the lady, the uh, interviewer started like arguing with him about uh, what it's really called. Yeah, you know, I think the world has gone slightly mad. Um, you know, it, this is an interesting challenge, right? Because I think what I would like to start with is just the notion of, uh, I'm calling it cognitive dissonance <laughs> in line with cognitive dissonance. Um, and the reason I even mention that is because I think what is really important for people to keep in mind is the truism that I live my life by, which is giving up security, liberty for security hardly ever turns out well. Yep. And so I think there's a genuine concern to look at what the responses are as, as we go forward and keep that in mind. You know, finding that balancing act. Because at the moment, I think, you know, we have a bit of a problem. Like, it's, it's sort of like the world, they've, the media at least, is called wolf for such a long time right, that so I think a lot of things. us are like, hmm, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and I, I, you know, it's it's tough because I think, as with many things in life, like uh, <laughs> the, what's presented as two extremes, and the the sane way to live is somewhere in between them. But why not both, Brink? Yeah, just do both. At once. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I see there's a lot of people online who are um, really like, uh, how to put this? They they're they're very dismissive of the idea that. You know, an illness that the government says might be bad could possibly be bad. And I see people, you know, and frankly, it's the same people that are like, measles isn't that bad. Everybody, when we were kids, we used to have it for fun. Like, you know, um, so there's that. And then on the other side is like, you need to do everything that the government tells you. If you, you know, have decided that you're not going to be a team player, we might as well kill you. And <laughs> like, it's this insane and, collectivist, and uh, you know. Like well, all of a sudden, everybody's individual identity disappears, and we're a herd that needs to be herded. Right, but it's <laughs> this insane collectivism where it's like we're we're back to the logic of uh, we think we need to kill you to keep you safe, and that's the part where I you know sort of right. worry. Or at the very at the very least, force you to do all these things. You know, we can't ask; we have to force. Right. Um, so so, and that really is going to be the question, right? It's going to boil down to sort of what is and isn't mandated. I mean, for me personally, I you know my husband is currently in South Africa. Yeah. Uh, he left as the virus stuff was happening. And so there's a real concern here where it's like, oh, my God, is he going to be stuck in Africa and I'm stuck here? Yeah. And, you know, we can't, you know, never the twain shall meet. I mean, I'm sure I'm being very melodramatic. But, you know, I was talking to him this morning and people forget that, you know, AIDS is a real thing and it's all over Africa yeah. and about 30% of South Africans apparently have AIDS. That means compromised immune systems. Mm -hmm. That means that, you know, even if it is 
a not very intense, you know, it seems based on the data that I'm reading, right, that it's not that bad, except if you have a compromised immune system right. or if you're older, right? right? So the death rate is but pretty... But also it can be, you know, for example, there was a guy from, I think it was from Rhode Island who uh, had it, and he I read an interview with him, um, you know, and he's a regular 48-year-old guy, which... You know, if you're 20, that's old. If you're 35, that's less old. <laughs> if you're 48, that's <laughs> you're just, like, hey, just I'm, right. I'm in the prime of my life. But <laughs> um, no, but he, I mean, he said he was in the hospital when he was like on death's door and he didn't have any pre-existing conditions. They were having to, you know, drain fluid from his lungs every hour. And um, anyway, so point being, yeah, it's it's kind of a crapshoot is, is what it seems like. And that's what's so interesting, too, is that. This isn't Ebola or Marburg or like a hemorrhagic fever where you die in 72 hours. There's no um, blood coming out of your eyes. Right. It's, you know, it's not, yeah. It's, it, it is very much like the flu and people forget how deadly the flu can be. And that's why it's like no joke that people try not to get the flu because for elderly people and people with pre-existing conditions, it can be very deadly. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I have uh, asthma and I've had asthma my whole life. Uh and when I was a little kid, I had to be intubated once, and that's enough for me for an entire lifetime. Um, you know, when they put you on a, a breathing machine and all that right, stuff. Right, right. Uh, Is that where your sexy, gravelly voice comes from? Oh, Greg? obviously, yeah. <laughs> all those, Mine comes from crazy cheerleading. All that time in the hospital when I was a wee six-year-old. Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, when you look at people's responses, so so I would say within our community and the liberty community, we, we sort of see both of those things, right? Yes. The, the people who are like, eh, you know, whatever, everyone's exaggerating. I would say I'm, I'm marginally in that camp, but also someone who is dating driven and it's kind of like not yeah. anti-science so I'm like yeah I'm watching it right the scary part is the people on the other side people whose opinions I do trust and mm. respect uh you know all the math geek side of our, yes, our, our my, people who are all going friends who work with numbers <laughs> if you understand exponential mathematics you know then this could be quite terrifying and yeah. scary um, so, you know, I mean, I think it's a legit thing to look at. I think it's been pretty interesting to look at different countries' responses. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you saw, but, for example, in Denmark, um, they have actually, their Minister of Health has, I mean, they've basically said um, they will do forced treatments. They can now enter your home and mandate treatments without a court order. Hmm. Um, they've banned all large assemblies, which is something we're seeing yeah. across America now. They apparently just canceled like South by Southwest in oh, Austin. Oh yeah, that was yeah, a little while ago. Which, and they... Well, you know, that has a half billion dollar impact mm -hmm. on the local economy. Yeah, and in California and New York, they're they're banning gatherings of more than 100 people, I think. I mean, which is interesting because it's like, I don't know if you're actually allowed to do that. I don't think uh, you are. So, but you see, but this we is have where the it first gets. Amendment. Well, but you see, this is where it gets very, very interesting very fast, right? Because people are prone to throwing out the principles of, you know, human independence and human liberty when it's, oh, but it's a health problem, so we're all in this together, so let's collectivize all the solutions, right? And I think the right solution is to be like, let's all be as cognizant and as, as responsible as we can, as personal, you know, personal responsibility as human beings, but you can't have the government mandating these things. Yeah, I mean, what my, <laughs> my preferred response would be, uh, everybody choosing to make uh, safe decisions for themselves and the people around them 
by, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different ways they can do that. If they have uh, a immune compromise risk or a previous respiratory condition, you know, if you can work to stay home and stay away from crowds or whatever, like, I, I, would, I would like to see a uh, private sector response to this whole situation. Um, and especially because, well, all right, so this is sort of a different topic. But I think that there's something about the the terror that's happening right now um, that says something about maybe our culture and our society in that – and I was just talking with <laughs> – I just got a massage, which is why I'm so relaxed. And I was talking with Shane, the awesome massage therapist, uh, about this. But uh, in lots of different previous cultures, there was the idea of like uh, memento mori, you know, and rem- the idea of like mortality is there with you and – there's like uh, tombstones that say, uh, "Yesterday I was like you. Tomorrow you'll be like me." You know that whole the idea of like this this ride ends with you die, right? Um, which is what is supposed to give us meaning in right. life. Which is why you're supposed to be productive and sort of right. like you know excel. And I think that in a lot of ways, uh, and I and I'm not trying to make an argument that like death is good. I'm not trying to make that like uh, oh here's my, here's my like. Uh, sneaky contrarian argument for why we should die. Um, but it's just like, it's a fact until that's no longer a fact. It's it's what's happening. And people are so generally divorced from uh, the, that's like the real trauma and, and stuff that happens is that like, we're only on this planet for a brief time and then we're gone. Um, and I don't think our culture thinks about that. I think we have a culture of new stuff, youth stuff, um, you know, it, it's not, there's no, there's no time given to the fact that like we will all shuffle off this mortal coil. And so when death and destruction rears its head, it's like, we're not culturally prepared to deal with it. Well, I think let's unpack that a little bit. First of all, I mean, there isn't an alarming level of fear mongering and keeping people scared, which I would say is not unique to this COVID virus situation. In fact, you know, we just talked about the crying wolf, right? It's right. just a frequency that's always there. And, and it's, it's part a, of our media infrastructure and, now. Yeah, and it's a, but it's a frequency of control, right? The scared people are controllable people, so the more there's fear-mongering, which is why, you know, we do shows like ours where we're like, hey, don't be scared. Yeah. Take charge of your own life. You right. know, get some gloves. Talk get a, it, get a, it you know, mm-hmm. get a face mask if you need to. Like, all of that stuff. But, the the it is important more like understanding your mortality is actually important because that is also what i think will drive a sense of purpose in right. people and so you know the world has actually been pretty peachy for a long time yes. i mean there's a part of me and i know this is a false comparison but i was reading a lot of articles this morning and i was looking at the death rate for this and i was thinking to myself you know if only people cared this much about deaths when it's war and bombing, mm. where we're talking about millions of people and not, you know, 33 people in right. Korea or, you know, I mean, it just seems, it seems so sickly disproportionate the way we're approaching these things where it's like, wow, you know, maybe if we cared a little more about these other scenarios as well, that would be a good thing. Well, and thing. it's all about like uh, inside, outside and personal connections too with that. Because I think that with this, the reason that there's so much fear is uh, you can get it. Like, you, you can't catch I was the target of a drone strike. 
you know, you can't. Well, it's, it's tell not that like, to the people who were targets well, of no, the drone no, but strike. I'm, I'm talking about like people in America. Oh, you're like, like hashtag yeah. white privilege. Well, sir. sort of <laughs> America privilege. I mean, we, we live in this superpower that's. I mean, Frank, again, it's been a wonderland of incredible bounty right. for a hundred years. And like, genuinely, I mean, maybe in some ways, I mean, uh, you know, I obviously, you know, I, I I think this is bad, and we should, you know, do everything we possibly can. But maybe it's good for a. Um, realignment of sort of interests in a little bit and a realization, you know, I was thinking about it the other day, like how much trauma must there be in places like Europe? I mean, I don't think people, certainly not people, younger people now don't really fully understand or can internalize something like the Second World War, right? Or like the bombings um, and the and the fire bombings from Dresden to you know, Japan and like all right. those things like there. And, and that trauma is actually written into our genetics. I mean, that goes into your epigenetics. It's why we have Godzilla movies. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but so, so maybe, I don't know, maybe it's like the universe is, is trying to be like, we need a, you know, we need, a, I don't know, realignment. I mean, I hope not yeah. because, you know, it, a lot of people dying, any kind of pandemic, which the WHO has now said, this is, is of course scary, but I'm also like, you know, what scaring people influences their immune systems and compromises them. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, trying to think of ways to empower people to say, this is, you know, these are better approaches, you know? And I found the term social distancing mm -hmm. that is just suddenly cropped up. This is just a new word that we've heard in the last two weeks. Well, maybe? it was, yeah, it was a term of art in epidemiology and in, you know, it's it's like when um, all of a sudden subprime subprime loans became something everybody was talking about, and nobody even knew what it was uh, two weeks before the financial crisis. Well, I knew. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, our show is called "Told You So" because uh, generally libertarians will tell you what is about to happen. So here's my prediction. So for like Tyrion Lannister, you don't drink and know things. <laughs> 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 here's not, here's yeah wait what not Tyrion. So here's my prediction, right? Or here's what I want to unpack a little bit. So I'm like, you know, you know me. I like me a good conspiracy theory. I also believe follow the money. I also am like trying to figure out Cubono who benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, if we if we call this a pandemic and it's not one, um, you know, like 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 what are the subtle behind the scenes stuff that's going on? Sure. So here's. You know, besides the the standing joke currently, which I've heard, which I think is quite cruel, but also very funny, is, oh, this is a social security extension plan, yeah. meaning that, you know, if we can get a lot of the elderly sort of off, uh, unpacked and into coffins, then, you know, maybe we can sustain some of these unsustainable programs for a while. Yeah. I hope that's not the case. I did see, though, that uh, the House Appropriations Bill that came out yesterday, I believe, um, that they're proposing uh, various crazy things, but like one of them is a permanent mandated uh, seven days paid sick leave. Oh, yeah. For all people mm -hmm. going forward. And I was like, hmm, like that was one of those ding, ding, ding. And I was like, ooh, what have we been fighting about a lot? You know, we've been talking about a lot of universal mm -hmm. health care. Even here in New Hampshire, we've been the talking FMLA about stuff. Yeah, yeah. you know, family medical leave. And I was like, oh, so they're going to backdoor compulsory mandated things that businesses will now have to start to pay. And there's a cost to business, you know. I mean, this is, I mean, this is probably going to be really good for Amazon because, right. hey, Amazon Prime keep bringing me 
toilet paper to my door. <laughs> yeah, no, right. I mean, and does that mean that like you're uh, your part time guy that you hire to work 15 hours a week to clean, you know, three offices that you manage or something? Does he get seven days paid sick leave written into the like? Is this in every contract now? Sorry, I just almost spilled my coffee. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, they're still figuring it out, but this is over ten billion dollar with a B, yeah. you know, sort of appropriations plan. And what we've learned and seen, uh, you know, if you understand your history, is they always do bad things when there's a panic. I mean, we right. know after nine mm-hmm. eleven, besides the wars, we also had all that like crazy. Uh, your privacy invasion. Yeah, the Patriot Act. The well, and a lot of those things too. I mean, and it's funny with <laughs> with both parties because both parties are uh, tend to be in hock to the intelligence and military communities. Um, you get these wish lists of stuff that they've wanted forever and that they've been submitting for years and years, and then all of a sudden, when a crisis happens. Now this is the time, you know, and and you know that you can add it to the appropriations bill and just jam that through there. Because if if you vote against the appropriations bill, what are you, some kind of monster? Right. <laughs> and and I mean, it's so, so it's sort of the Rahm Emanuel statement of never let a crisis go to waste. Right. So I am very cognizant of that, which is why I'm like, okay, what are they about to do? How are they going to screw us? Because you know they will. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, I, yeah, that. I think it's interesting um, with the conspiracy stuff. I think it's much more likely for there to be a conspiracy on the back end in terms of let's make something out of this bad situation uh, than on the front end of like let's make a virus. Well, so that's interesting like, too, right? The Spanish flu, like qui bono with the Spanish flu. It well, had, it ended World War One. Have... So unless that was like peace activists doing. <laughs> Well, I mean, there is a conspiracy theory that says that the Spanish flu was started as a result of a vaccine that was given at Fort Hood and that it was the American soldiers that actually had it and then spread it. Hmm. And I went and did a lot of reading up on it, and it's it's not one of the most implausible ones I've read before. So, And part of the reason they called it the Spanish flu was because Spain was not involved in that war, and they were like, yeah. let's just blame someone who's like not involved in and, you know, it was in the early 1900s. So they were like, you know, we didn't have the Internet. So you couldn't spread mass hysteria uh, and control people and control their minds in the way that we can today. Well, but there was like an actual real horrible thing that was happening. You know what I mean? Like that that's the I don't <laughs> like there was an actual horrible thing happening. No need. To, like, if anything, I would think that the the governments at that time would want to come up with something that killed enemy soldiers, not American soldiers. I don't think they did it on purpose. I mean, it wasn't like, hey, let's develop a vaccine that kills our soldiers. I think the vaccine, the, the, the good intentions were there. But the reality is that it was a bum vaccine mm. that then somehow infected all these people. So I'm not saying like, you know, it's not like the MK Ultra stuff where right. they're mm. actually on purpose going and like, you know, messing with people's the, minds or like, or like forced sterilization, which is they did that on purpose or those kinds of ones. I In do Virginia, think like, the 50s, I think. yeah, I so. mean, <laughs> I, I think that there are a lot of scenarios where it's like, oh, shit, that just we didn't mean for that to happen, but it happened. And, <laughs> and so with the COVID-19, I mean, I've read some interesting theories. One of them is that, you know, the Wuhan I know there's a joke here. I'm waiting for it. The Wuhan clan. Uh. <laughs> also, I don't know if anybody here listened to Buster Rhymes, but back in the old days, he had this great song where a big part of it was him going, Wuha! <laughs> and 
I got you all in check. And it made me think about Wuhan. <laughs> so Wuhan, I mean, there was speculation that there was a test lab there and that in the past they have caught the employees from the, the medical lab selling the test animals at a food market, market yeah. later, which, you know, will say something about life under communism. Yeah, that sounds so good. And, um, and so, you know, some people have said they think that's where it was transferable. I mean, the point is maybe it's not even that important where it where it came from. Mm -hmm. But it is important to think about, you know, the responses. Yeah. No, and I, I agree. And I, I think, you know, some of this stuff, it's like uh, you could you could argue all day about where it came from. And I'm going to leave that to the professional you know, or to virologists. Alex Jones, who's. Who is selling a toothpaste <laughs> oh, that can protect you from? I was like, yeah, what I, saw, a I think Joel Austin was also selling some like special blessing water. <laughs> I find that so incredibly distasteful. We should get on that bandwagon. We should have told you so. Uh, what 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 product can we have? We'll have a told you so spray, like a, a nasal like mist. A, yeah, <laughs> it's it's just uh, salt with crystal water. water. Yeah, but we uh, we sang happy songs to it so that it has different ice formations. So uh, another thing, <laughs> if I... you know crazy people <laughs> theories, you know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> so another thing I've been struck with is uh, with all of this is just looking at the insane amount of different. Government departments. So you know how yeah. we say all the time, government's too big, right? And government is too big, and that's a given. Um, but then you start looking at all these different, like suddenly I'm seeing all these names, like I saw the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases is coming mm. out with their reports. And then, of course, we've got the CDC, and they're coming out with their reports. And then there's this other. And um, when you start yeah. to look at all those names, you're like, holy crap who are all these people doing all these like things it's just waste on waste on waste some of those are like for example there's a um what is it national institute on drug abuse nida i think but it's based at columbia university and it's a it's a private organization that works so there's like there's some crossover with a lot of these things they'll call themselves national institute or the american center for whatever but it's a private it's like a private group that works with how, the CDC and stuff. How private though? Like private well, like oh you're getting 50% of your money from the taxpayer anyway yeah, because we're well, giving grants and subsidies. Right, I think it's because a lot that of these that kind of private. Yeah, right, but no, but I mean a lot of these <laughs> so research not private. Well, half and half. Like there's a lot of these research institutions where that's because they're doing research there that's where both private and government money goes. You know what I mean? Like if it's a successful center for research that's where the money should go, right? Maybe. I mean, I would prefer that it uh, not be subsidized that way, right? That I mean, I think there's a market solution that oh, yeah. uh, would be better than whatever we have now. I mean, because the waste is real, you know? It's, yeah. it's I mean... It's insane. I was thinking about it again the other day. We don't even talk about that stuff. But, you know, like the $14,000 screw that goes on the plate. You know, right, just the imagine. Solid gold toilet seat. What, <laughs> what, what is happening? Um, I was also struck, you know, uh, if you read articles like the New York Times, you know, the different different media kind of give you different notes of stuff. Yeah. But 
uh, I read a couple of New York Time articles and um, it was and Washington Post actually, and it was interesting to me how they were framing things. First of all, like a lot of Trump blaming, like somehow this too yeah. is is Trump's fault. I I'm not quite sure how that happened. Which frankly, I think it's if anything, if you want to talk about like the deep state, <laughs> uh, the, the CDC is part of it. And honestly, reading about this reaction and where the the federal government has just absolutely dropped the ball on getting out testing kits, on allowing people to be tested, setting these protocols so that people, you know, they have to demonstrate that they're that they don't have a thousand other things before they even test for this illness. Like that's all bureaucratic red tape. And I don't think that the president or Congress has anything to do with it. I think those are agencies that are just operating on their own autopilot, you know? Which I, I that's that is what the concept of the deep state is, which is why anyway, why I think it's annoying that it's been turned into a conspiracy theory, because it's like, no, it's career professionals who keep their jobs throughout different administrations and keep their priorities throughout different administrations. Right. And so when we go back to that sort of idea of Kibono, who wins out of this, you know, the deep state wins out of something like this. Right. And 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 globally, which yeah. I think is an interesting sort of idea, too. We've talked about this in the past where I've said, you know, we know we have this sort of global, uh, national, uh, international intelligence surveillance going mm -hmm. on at this stage. And I think now we're leveling up to a sort of global uh, health thing. So once yeah. again, these are two things that instill fear and fear mongering in average people, which once again make them sort of controllable. I mean, I've wondered, like, if they start doing quarantines and they have, like, I don't know, the National Guard out on the street here right, in, in New Hampshire, what, like, what am I going to do? And I was like, I think I'm going to strap an AR to my back and slap some uh, red crosses on my car, and I'm not going to let them take over the streets of Manchester. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny in a lot of ways, um, This it mirrors the debate about vaccines to some extent and i think that the like the the reasonable like their <laughs> the reasonable position aka the one that i hold is that, <laughs> is that uh i would hope that people can become informed and make good choices that look beyond their own well-being because it's really it's very similar with vaccines the whole reason why you know with uh that people should get vaccinated is because there's people that are immune compromised. There's people that have these problems where they can't get that protection. And so if you're a carrier and you make them sick, it's not that you're necessarily a criminal, but you're a total jerk. Like if you could have not done that, you know? So like, I, I, I don't actually like, I hear that argument a lot and I'm not even sure I buy it. Like I just, well, I, I don't think you drunk driving too, though. Like, so you, you're going out and doing something where you've greatly increased the chance of risk. But if others. you haven't actually created or had an action, an actual action, I think pre-criminalizing behavior because something might happen is is part of the folly that we find ourselves yeah. in now. I mean, if I've you drink it. and drive and you cause an accident, then yes, you should 100% be held liable. Yeah. But if you drink and drive and you get home safe, I don't think you've committed a crime. Yeah, I'm 50-50 on it. I've actually been thinking about this a lot because I think um, it's about increasing... Like, those crimes, what they're really about is that you've increased the probability uh, to a great extent of something terrible happening. You know what I mean? It's like... It's the same idea as like safety regulations, which I don't necessarily think are great ideas. But like if you 
for an, for an employer, if you're not wearing a hard hat and you're in a work zone, you're increasing liability to an unacceptable level for that employer so that you have to wear a hard hat. You know what I mean? Like, so there's, there's this like matrix of probabilities of something terrible happening. And I guess the, the question is, can, can not doing something bad, but greatly increasing the probability of something bad happening to someone else, can that be a crime? No. Okay. In my opinion, yeah. it cannot because the because that is like the one hundred percent slippery slope that we now find ourselves in. That is the logic that they apply, now, and I'm like, like, I can only judge outcomes. What right? about like throwing, just throwing knives in the air? Well, it depends where you're throwing area. them. What if you're just throwing them in the air and you? I'm not trying to hit anybody. Well, I'm just I'm, throwing knives. I mean, there's a real danger, right? There's gravity and it's coming down. And if there's a person standing yeah. there, then that's not, I mean, that's assault. But if there's nobody standing there, what's the problem? Well, if you're just throwing knives and there's nobody standing there, then tough shit. Well, but what if there are people, but it doesn't hit them? Then it, nothing bad well, happens. Well, no, because that, I mean, clearly if there's someone standing there and you're throwing a knife, even if you miss them, there's clearly no, an intent. No, but you're throwing it directly in the air. You're but not if there's to someone anybody. standing down, no, no, uh-uh, I'm not buying this. This oh, is not? kind of, no, because the thing is you can't, um, I mean, arguably, I guess if it doesn't hit anyone, have you committed a crime? Probably not. Do I think that's dumbassery and you shouldn't so, like, do it? If you, you, if you saw somebody in a crowd that was just, Throwing Bowie knives out of a bag up into the air rapidly. Would you? Would you try to stop them from doing that? I mean, I sure. If I was there, I might be like, "That's a dumb idea," or I might just take a look at it and be like, "I don't want to be here because I take personal responsibility for my body." And there's some dumbass throwing knives in the air. Okay, but like, so now the knives are my... invisible and they're germs, <laughs> and now you want to give up all your liberty. For other people's well, dumbassery, no, and a, I am unwilling to do that. <laughs> that's a super adversarial way to. Look. I'm not saying I'm not saying about anything about a position that I hold. I'm just this is like a thought experiment because I think that it's worth exploring. Like, no, and it's I worth... think it is. I've been thinking about it a lot lately because part of what I'm trying to figure out, right? Like, even with uh, was it was it um, who's the guy who just got found guilty for the Me Too rape stuff? Right? Oh, uh, Weinstein. Yeah, Weinstein. So Weinstein was found guilty for uh, third degree degree rape mm. and i was like what is what? third degree rape and then third degree rape is groping like unwanted okay. touching and yeah. i'm like well groping is not raping like yeah. you know so i feel like sexual somewhere assault, yeah, yeah i feel like somewhere along the line with our desire with the control freaks desire to codify everything in the world we have actually gone down a really dark and untenable and unsustainable model because you know what at some stage it's going to be like i don't know man you looked at me funny and i feel like my eyeballs were just you know third degree raped because you know right. i felt gropey <laughs> gropey looks there right. so i mean it's just ridiculous right yeah. so i feel like intent should be mitigating that's how it was supposed to be right? right so the law was supposed to judge an action and actual outcome so if i mean to kill you but i don't kill you there was something bad happened but if i meant to kill you and i kill you right and then but i killed you because you were having sex with my wife in bed and it was a crime of passion and whatever right. then that would be mitigating so now you only get three years instead right. of 30 years because you're not a sociopath you're just a really romantic husband mm. right so those are, that's how it was supposed to work but now we sort of tipped intent into 
actual lawmaking, right? Right. So instead of it with being degrees what, of crime, yeah. But even with that, like there is. So I, I remember I was having this discussion about hate crimes with somebody, and this was when I was like eighteen, and I was like, oh, the law, like you can't take intent. The law is about actions and what people do. But then the counter argument was, well. You, you can be punished extra for premeditated murder. Like, murder one is different from murder two, and that's all about intent. Right, but that use, but that was, once again, that was supposed to be in mitigating, right? right? So you're supposed to get a, like, if you decide I'm going to murder you, that is probably worse than, oh, my God, I, you know, was 100% sober and some stupid kid ran in front of me and slipped on the ice and I drove over them and that right. was mm -hmm. manslaughter, right? So, yeah. so it is about intent. But the intent on the crime, I mean, I guess part of it is they try to codify the the mitigation or the sentencing part has actually become part of the 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 criminality part, right? Mm -hmm. So the intention part. And I'm not sure that that was the right solution. But, you know, I, I, I still think that just to bring it back to the vaccine kind of stuff, mm -hmm. sort of mandating or, or forcing people, I mean, what if they develop this COVID virus, right? Mm -hmm. And then they say we are, this is going to be the first time in the world we are going to mandate that everyone get this vaccine. Yeah. I won't do it. Yeah. And I don't, <laughs> I mean, there would be no legitimate authority for them to do so because they would, if, if that was something that they, and I guess I'm having a hard time figuring out who they is here, but if that was something that they would want to do them they isn't them <laughs> um they would have done it with the flu vaccine because that's something that already exists every year right but i think what, what we're seeing is they and and i would say it's you know the control freaks the the um people who think that they own us and can tell us what to do with our own sovereign bodies mm. um I think they're figuring out how to do it. Like we are watching a process of the world becoming more and more unfree. I mean, that New York Times article that I mentioned earlier, the guy actually said we need the uh, we need the brutality. What was it? Uh, we need to choose the brutality of force over freedom in order to like fix this thing. And I'm like, well, so there is a cold yeah, slash I flu going around that. W that, that it's likely not going to influence anything. And then I'm like, I don't trust their vaccines. Yeah. Well, if you, uh, I mean, if you want to talk about real giant totalitarian overreaction, um, I'd like to talk just briefly about China. And I'm going to put this video link in, uh, in the description because it really was shocking to me. There's a Wall Street Journal video that I watched um, that's talking about what the Chinese government is doing to quarantine people in Wuhan and various other parts of China. And it is. Uh, is that the one where they like the the people are yelling in the high rises? Oh no no no! This is to so th this is like straight out of a dystopian novel. Uh, the first shot of the video is an elderly person walking down the street. It's a it's a video like it's chunks of a propaganda video that Chinese state media made, and it's this elderly person walking down the street, and there's a drone behind them. And the drone is yelling at them, yelling their name, saying, you know, Mr. Shang, get back to your home. You need to return to your home immediately and uh, get a mask if you're going to be out outside. You have like we, we know that you have nowhere that you're supposed to be right now. What? Yeah. And they're it's it's they have drones with facial recognition. So it's it's personalized haranguing. And the idea <laughs> is if you don't obey the drone, then the police show up. Wow. And uh 
their I mean it's their level of surveillance of their population is unbelievable. Oh, and America wants to bring that home here. Yes. Don't make no mistake, people. I but mean, I, here in New Hampshire, we're actively fighting against that. Yeah. I mean, we just passed a ban the facial recognition. Well, that's what, I mean. I've been talking recently about how it's like people don't know. Um, they have no mental model for what uh, a real totalitarian society looks like since the fall of the Soviet Union. You know what I mean? Like, there's no... Like, Cuba is, like, a pissant totalitarian society. They don't have it together enough to monitor everybody. But China is, like, a highly professional, highly effective totalitarian government. Well, and, but, and the sad thing is, I think the other governments are like, oh, this, you know, we'll do it. It's... They think they can just do it in a nicer, more yes. Western way, Correct. right? And the way I constantly, and I've said this for a long time, I was like, what is the difference between... Uh, Russian, this was back in the Cold War, but like a Russian re-education camp and an American re-education camp, I was like, ah, oh, see, America knows you make the buses yellow. <laughs> a nice, cheery color, right? right? You don't want a gray bus with like bars on it. You want a nice yellow bus with no seat belts. Some of those schools look an awful lot like prisons, though. They uh, they do, and it's it's a problem. I mean, I did read that you know there were two thousand seven hundred, I believe, uh, uses of restraint against children in New Hampshire last year. Mm. That seems like That's a lot. lot. Of kids. Uh, well, anyway, uh, I think that we're kind of drawn to a close here, but I think that. Um, this is a big issue that's going to keep evolving. I, you know, we'll see over the next couple of weeks. It's also entirely possible that it'll be four weeks and it'll run its course and uh, won't be a thing anymore. See, so, so that that that's what's interesting, right? So if you look at that little meme that was going around Facebook, right? So it's like, oh, two years ago it was SARS. Before that it was Ebola. Before that it was Zika. Before it was yes. that. Before it was that. And it's every two years. And I feel like it's always this time of year, right? It's when the northern climes are that in meme winter. Isn't accurate, by the way. Um. <laughs> it's not those the 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 years like it, those it's viruses that, well, well, didn't show up during election years. Well, well, yeah, I know it said election <laughs> years, but it is literally like the order of the diseases. I don't even yeah, yeah. care when they came out, right? They always come out round about this time of year because it's winter and everyone's right. sick. Everybody's um, indoors. Yeah, people have lower uh, your immune system is compromised when it's cold, it's drier air, blah blah. Yeah. So, so maybe to end like on a more positive note, right? So the I think the main things people should think about is you know you're you're a um, you're a sovereign human being. Like, what do you need to do? You don't worry about what everyone else is doing. What are you personally yeah. going to do? And one of the things you can do is to literally claim your health. So this is a bigger, big picture issue. But it's like, you know what? If you know your immune system is not compromised, that's like a nice little thing to have in your like mental arsenal where mm -hmm. you're like, oh, you know what? I'm pretty healthy. I'm probably going to be okay. I have a stock of toilet paper. I know my neighbors. We need to get chickens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, I was like, this summer we're getting chickens because um, that would be Just like no a nice research, thing to yeah. know if you can't um, – you know, like if if there is a genuine thing and be like, okay, we could survive. There was that dude who survived on eggs for three years. That's all he ate. And he was <laughs> oh, in man. fine, healthy condition I when bet. they found him. So yeah, fat and protein, that's what you need. Yeah. So so you know, I think people should you know, we should all be aware, but we should not be alarmist. Mm -hmm. We should not uh panic. Uh, you should make sure you have a plan, you mm. know, like maybe like three steps where you're like, okay, if it gets to this level, so that you kind of feel like you have some sense of ownership. 
yeah. of what's going on around you so that you're not ceding your fear to, you know, to the big bad government. Yeah. yeah and take care of yourself and also be, you know, conscientious and, and thoughtful with your family and friends and neighbors. Uh, if you know that they have, yeah, right. Uh, lick their doorknobs. No, if you, if you, I'm gonna go lick your doorknob. Spread the disease of Papa Nurgle. Anyway, sorry, that was a Warhammer forty thousand joke. That's forty uh, k for those in the know. Anyway, um, no, but you know, if you have people in your family that are at risk, like talk to them and suggest that they take care of themselves. And then you know, if you are healthy and have been out doing stuff, don't spend time with people that are immune compromised. Because that's the main thing. Is like. You want to you want to take care of yourself and be respectful of your friends and family. And it's funny; it's the same rules as for the rest of the time. Yes, uh, exactly. And, and now it just means a slightly <laughs> and, and, different thing. And wash yeah. your hands more. And yeah, apparently you gotta hands. you gotta get the thumbs. <laughs> get the thumbs. Do the do the your your fingertips on the palm. You get the thumbs. You get the cross your fingers over and squishy squish. There's a whole pretend you two are a brain surgeon. Exactly. Every time that you want to put something in your disgusting mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and don't touch your face. Get your masks and plan ahead, folks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, with that simple advice, I mean, and really, I, I wish that that's what news channels were doing. was saying, like, hey, here's the simple things you can do and uh, do them. And, uh, and not, you know... Everything's going to fall apart. We're going to die. I mean, and let's talk, I mean, just a little bit about the economic, um, the economic impact. I mean, this is huge. Yeah. They have planes. Did you see that story about the they have planes, planes flying across Europe? Yeah. Um, and the U.S. Oh, that's happening here, too. They, they just uh, they just suspended those rules because the issue was that if you don't go on the flight path, you can lose it to another airline. So they were all like, well, we need Philadelphia to Manchester, so we're just going to fly that plane. Well, maybe maybe that is the big conspiracy is uh, either one airline trying to take over the airline world or I keep wondering, you know, we, we are in a bear market now. The mm. markets have fallen a lot. There's that question of, uh, you know, who's benefiting, who's shorting. Um, I always used to think, well, this is, you know, any kind of uh, troubling situation is usually good for libertarians because you know we have <laughs> we have uh guns gold <laughs> lead uh silver and bitcoin uh so i was surprised to see that bitcoin actually fell because i felt like actually, that, that just should made me think go of that jared, jared diamond book that does uh, guns gold and yeah germs guns germs. germs and steel yep yep yeah i like to say guns lead and uh, <laughs> um uh. But yeah, so the economic things are going to be interesting to sort of trace and take a look at as yeah. that shakes out, because that'll probably give us a bit more of the backstory. And also, I guess, on that front, too, in terms of like taking care of your friends, family and community, um, there's a lot of people that are going to be uh, out of work in the next couple of weeks. And I think that uh, especially in the uh, event planning, entertainment, performance, yeah, like all, I don't know what things. to do with Porkfest. I'm like, yeah. people are asking me, are you going to cancel? And I'm like, well, one I would of wait on that. I, I mean, I'm going to wait on that, first of all. And second of all, I'm like, Jack Spurko, who is the Survivalist podcast, is like one of our speakers. I would feel extremely lame if I canceled. Yeah, we're just not going to do it. No, but I mean, I, so I've already seen there's several events, uh, management companies and stuff like that where they're really in trouble. So if you have any friends and family, like talk to the people that you know and help them out you know this is gonna be a tough time and like let's 
let's have some mutual aid where people actually help out their community instead of looking to the government to solve all these problems. So Because um, they can't, folks. Right. They can't solve it. They don't have it. the resources or the knowledge. No, and, and ultimately everything in life is human action and human power. So to those people who go, who will build the roads? I always say, who built the roads? And then they look at you yeah. all confused, and I'm like, human beings. Right, I mean, you and me. Yeah. yeah. So, well, on that note, thanks again for joining us this week, and we'll be back next week with another sweet 30 to 60 minutes of talking and ribaldery. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is, but if it's dirty, I'm not doing it. <laughs> anyway, we'll have a great weekend, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Peace out. Bye.